0: welcome to pickle me this the officially unofficial podcast for rick and morty on cartoon network's adult swim i'm your host jim and i'm aaron you can subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts today we're covering season five episode three A rick convenient mort here's aaron with the recap
1: While out on a mission to create some custom merch, Rick and Morty encounter Planetina, a sentient amalgam of Earth's elements summoned by an ethnically diverse group of teenagers called the Tina Tears to fight pollution and environmental harm. Morty takes all of five seconds to fall deeply in love. Morty's infatuation with the potentially five billion year old Planetina is a problem for Beth, which leads her and Morty to being at odds and Morty running away from home. Meanwhile, Morty's Twitter patient with Tina causes Rick to be left without a wingman on his ambitious sexual tour of three dying worlds. All three are just moments away from suffering a planetary cataclysm that will wipe out all life in their systems, and they are responding by throwing a hedonistic ragers against the dying of their light. Rick drafts a newly heartbroken summer to join him on his back and all, but will their troubled grandpa-granddaughter relationship survive the experience? Will Morty save the planet or at least notch a positive relational experience with Planetina? All right, Jim. We've both seen season five, episode three, a Rick Convenient Mort. Mm-hmm. Well, what did what did you think of this episode?
0: Uh, I'm I I was an unironic fan of Captain Planet back in the day, uh, <laughs> all back right, in the nineties. Right. So Hot you take. know, if if they're gonna riff on Captain Planet in a fun uh, and violent way, I'm down for it. And I thought this was pretty fun if you know it's not as good as last episode i really enjoyed the the decoy episode but this was yeah enjoyable enjoyable I, I don't know how it's not like super important right to rick and morty's uh development i i don't know maybe maybe the teenagers rebelling against their parents a little more is is being amped up you know rick's stoking those flames but
2: it yeah i fun. think it's
1: kind of important maybe from a morty perspective and it's like the, the development of his relationship with his parents and whatnot like that but right. you know like oh, shit what is and is not important on the show yeah um it's not a, the evil morty continuity that people are looking for certainly uh it, although i th- i think you could like there's some people trying to draw like you know the 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 punnet squares of which evil things and which traumas are adding oh. up to being a Rick and more. Yeah, there's people people doing, doing that uh, or Morty evil. Yeah, people doing the evil Morty math <laughs> on that stuff. um Sure, but yeah, I I don't know. Like it's uh, I think this episode would have been even funnier had the funny is it funnier die or dire college humor version of Captain Planet starring Don Cheadle had not existed.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, because yeah.
1: the concept of like <laughs> Captain Planet just having a fucking enough of this bullshit and snapping uh-huh. and turning everyone into trees or whatever. Yep. Uh it's, you know, it's uh it's that's been in our that that's 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 been tread ground, uh surprisingly enough. Um or mm-hmm. maybe not surprisingly given the internet and the way it works. But uh I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't as funny as I was expecting, but it had a lot more heart. It's one of those ones that just got, has kind of like a, a an ultra depressive uh, depressing ending it's hilarious got, you, know, that you said it has more it has more heart because there was
0: less heart in this. I remember there were actually five kids in Captain Planet, and one of them was Hart, <laughs> who is conspicuously absent right now.
1: Yeah, they uh LeVar Burton just absolutely refused to reprise <laughs> his role, wasn't he? Wasn't he Heart?
0: I don't, he Hart? I, I I don't know. remember. I don't. Know. I can't
1: remember which kid was the Heart because I wasn't allowed to watch it. Oh, what? It, I mean, it's that,
0: Magic Rings. Seriously, It had to be
1: right. Well, you think they're oh, technology based?
0: Yeah, who Come knows? On.
1: Come on, and who is this Captain Planet saving the wor- <laughs> world when we know that the real savior of of uh, Paradise Earth is going to be uh, Yahweh? Um but, but yeah, I, I, I liked it. I I thought, um, like I said, I was expecting things to be a little bit funnier, but sometimes Rick and yeah. Morty like to to go with the, the heart or some poignancy. And I thought uh, mm-hmm. it's a lot of good stuff. If you are suffering uh, the end of a relationship or if you are a teenager um, or can re- relate to being a teenager and not being understood by your family or really any of your friends or anyone oh, at school, yeah. I think this stuff probably... Uh, resonated pre- pretty well. Um,
0: there was one yeah. really funny scene. Uh, one of the funniest things I've seen this season is uh, Rick and Summer eating ass in the ship. The yeah. <laughs> just, you know, talking about it. what they'll be like. That uh, was uh-huh. pretty good.
2: I, then, I
1: really like the some of the verbal puns of Morty walking in to the, uh, the rest of the Tina Tears trying to sell Planetina to... A uh, an individual Arab person who's not really representing any group. Uh, him yeah. walking in and saying, "I got a cheesy Italian, extra crispy for you." <laughs> yeah, referring to the fire guy he just lit up. Um, that that was that was pretty fun and a lot of fun uh, voice cameos. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Allison uh mm-hmm. as Planetina. Who I think they've got damn near all of the community cast. To do voiceovers, except for maybe Donald Glover. Uh, no, definitely Donald Glover's not been on the show. Huh. I think Wonder this why. this might com- complete the set. Um. But yeah, uh, the Steve Buscemi as yep. uh, the the cheesy Italian that, uh, that got yeah. extra crispied. Um. Brandon Johnson for frequent uh, uh contributor to Harmontown and and the uh, voice actor on the show. Hmm. And then uh, th- th- this was the first. First episode directed by a longtime friend of Dan Harmon, Rob Schraub, who joined the writing room last year. Um, Rob Schraub is a nut, is a fucking certified nut. He once filmed a uh, parody of Jaws 4 starring his penis as the Jaws and a giant orange um, as Michael Caine. And that orange got (laughs) fucked by the end of that movie. Hmm. You can you can Google it. You can Google it if you want. No thanks. Um, <laughs> but uh, that man wrote wrote a script with the uh, with a lot of heart. He's also the voice of the uh, diesel. Uh, what, what is his name? The diesel diesel rat. weasel. Yeah. Diesel weasel. That's right. Wrong rodent. Uh, it's not a rat. He's a weasel. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see more of his because he's a little bit more of a Royland. Uh, In in terms of like zany antics, Um, but he also can do content. Maybe he is the actual, the fully integrated blend of of Dan and and Justin. Who knows?
0: We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass
2: films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make.
1: All right. Do you want to do uh, Morty and Planetina, or do you want to do uh, Rick and Sumsum, Sum, the Summerfest? I'll start with Rick and Summer. That's a little less uh, impactful. Okay. Well, at at the at the uh, breakfast table where we a lot of times get the episodes going, it seems like uh, Summer is um, beside herself because Morty is making time with a planet thing, and she just got dumped right before a big pool party, and she's just major league depressed. Uh, But Rick has got a plan for her, um, a ridiculous plan involving three planets that are about to suffer a cataclysm. It's like, I think, uh, what is it? A sun exploding, a black hole, and a a, a deep impact comet scenario. Mm -hmm. And all three planets in this neighborhood are going to celebrate the end of their civilization with one last, no sexual holds barred, morality consequence free, complete blowout of a party. Uh, (laughs) and uh, that's what they're going to do. They're going to um, they're going to go from planet to planet and just engage in in meaningless sex. There's only three rules: no whining, no crying, and no getting attached. Um, a bonus goal: eating as much ass as you can. Uh, (laughs) oh yeah. So yeah, what do you want to talk about as far as this goes? These are these parties. Uh, end of the world parties.
0: This is what I hope that the end of the world party. Independence Day would have been mm. Uh but it was it was quite a bit tamer than this people like dressed up weird that was basically the extent of the Independence Day party and I don't know I feel like anything you can see at any uh nerd con at this point is probably not end of the world material mm. but I guess maybe back in 1996 it was I don't know it, it, yeah so th- these like end of the world parties are much more what I picture when I think oh cataclysmic event that can't be stopped we're all dead tomorrow we know the day and time just fucking go for it
1: yeah have you ever seen the movie seeking a friend for the end of the, the world i have not because no that there's no like there's there's the the parties are conti- confined to kind of like uh the staff at tgif no longer charging for mudslides right uh and getting yeah. super drunk and doing a bunch of drugs because on, there's have no have a fucking imagination. <laughs> Yeah, like it's uh, it, it's kind of, but, but I although it is interesting. Like, how certain do you have to be that your world is going before you do some of the things that we see in this episode? <laughs> Pretty sure. Like, look, California's
0: on fire. I'm not out there fucking anybody in weird ways yet. Right. We'll We'll talk when like it creeps over the the Rockies. Like, much less our fathers. Like,
1: I don't. I, I yeah. feel like that. That's not something you just even no. even at the end of the world you just do on a fucking whim. Right. Like you know what? I uh, let's, let's try some. Let's try some gay incest. That's what we need to do. Uh, uh, Especially because my I dad's old. We'd probably kill him. Wow. Well, okay. Uh he's had heart problems. Yeah, that wouldn't go well. But uh, I guess it's father, the end of the world. Who my cares? father's old too, but he's had a quadruple bypass. He's probably good to go. Nice. But 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 like yeah. What the what the fuck like. I keep. I've I've heard there's this podcast. Like, I, I, I've never, I've never heard an episode called Cumtown, where like this is one of the running jokes, like having gay sex with your dad uh, somehow. So I don't know if this is a Cumtown cross cross contamination or it's just a rick and like what is the weirdest, uh, most, um, you know, profane, taboo touching thing that you could suggest on on cable uh, TV. Yeah, weird, though. Weird. Yeah, uh, cause, for sure. Because, yeah, like, I'm thinking that that's what I'm thinking. Like, if uh, there was an asteroid coming to Earth and they say it's going to hit, uh, there's no way that the planet, the Earth scientists would ever say there's a 100 percent chance it's going to happen. It'd probably be like, we're 93 percent sure that it's going to hit and it's going to hit in these. And it's going to do this kind of devastation. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just I, it's plus it's like it's deep. Yeah, you have to desire. You have to have the desire to fuck <laughs> right, your dad in the first definitely. place to act on it. Right? It's not for just sure. like ah, fuck. It's in the world. Why not? Let's just. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird space for the, for the thing to go or to get beat on. Like, oh, I don't know. There's several things back to back there that they're just like, yeah, I won none of that. Yeah, it's also interesting because sometimes I or Rick and Morty is kind of like my moral barometer for like not not necessarily for who I am as a moral person, but like the things that I like get squicked out by. Hmm. You know, yeah. like uh, uh, just I got a little borderline squicked out of just Rick and Summer going on this giant fuck fest has. And I, I wondered, is like, is this something hmm. that like Rick and Morty have done? I know they've done an off screen adventure where they're going to pound a bunch of mermaid puss, but it's almost like always alluded to. And whenever like. Rick is confronted with his grandson's sexuality. He's always kind of like appropriately disgusted by it, which you, you should be by fourteen-year-old sex life. Um, it's, I mean, this episode starts
0: with them potentially going on a pussy pounding expedition, right? I mean, that's
1: based on their shirts that they're creating. I think you're supposed to understand that this, that, that Rick was going to take Morty, on yeah, this and then inter- he got infatuated with Plan- uh, Planetina, and that whole yeah. thing was off, so he needed somebody else, yeah. Yeah, so so there's a hastily modified T-shirt with uh, you know Rick and Summer <laughs> pussy pounders, uh-huh. uh, which turned out to be elbow licking. Um, I don't know. Like I said, yeah. I'm not. I didn't find that very
0: funny. Did you find the the elbow <laughs> titties part funny? Because I I was
1: indifferent to it. It's funny just because they pixelated it out, and it's supposed to you're yeah. supposed to use your imagination for how how amazing these elbow titties must be, and like what you can do with them that would cause Rick to be so you know, uh, yeah. Dependent on the elbow grease. (laughs) I don't know, man. It wasn't doing it for me. Sorry. Also that voice, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, Stifler's bomb. Really? Okay. Yep. Guest star. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but that's the thing. It's like, I kind of was like, well, okay. Is it, do I believe that Rick's going to break the rules for this woman that these elbow titties are this good or something? Or she's so, but I, I guess, like, then my next thought is like, well, Rick doesn't really need that good of an excuse to break his own rules. Yeah. Like, the excuse can just be, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the rules are for squares and blah, blah, blah. And so, so it's like, I think maybe the point is this is kind of dumb and, uh-huh. and Rick just doesn't care. But I don't know. Summer's reaction to elbow titties is maybe that they are forced to be reckoned with. I guess so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I I thought that, uh, that her in her whole speech about this is what you're up against. These are what wars were fought for. These are ruined kings. Uh, they've inspired presidents. I I thought that the, I wanted to kind of take it at fa- face value. Um, I also really love some of the animation, like the sequence of Summer diving into the f- <laughs> just writhing <laughs> f- fuck street of slugs. And essentially yeah. swimming through those muscles and mucus to get to the uh, <laughs> get the Rick Saucer was was pretty inspired. Then her just like pulling out of it and seeing all that thing. Does that landscape slide past? Yeah. Uh, pretty rewarding for for pausing and rewinding. There's a lot of like, again, I love an animator that would spend two or three work days on something that your average person seeing this is going to see for two or three frames. You know? Yeah. No, they're they're great about that. The animation on the show yeah. is really good. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I also <laughs> really I really like the reaction to summer saving the day, both Ricks, which is you know, mm-hmm. him admiring the fact that she would be so petty to save a planet, not just because she can, she can just literally put, put push a button and save the day, but particularly to fuck over Rick and his new and his new toxic relationship. Yeah, but I also really like the planet's reaction of like, "Fuck We gotta live our lives now. We gotta go to work <laughs> in the morning. Fuck, we gotta look our fathers in the eye. Fuck you! Fuck you!"
0: Yeah, which you know is is what the stinger does, right? How their moms, uh, the the uh, woman of the house, is not talking to them because
1: they're having of the, the gay the sex, previous yeah. nights. the gay yeah. incest. Which
0: yeah. uh, not- I don't know. That's that's probably a appropriate reaction for some amount of time.
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know if you get over that one. I don't know yeah. how you reconfigure your stuff that that uh, is is no longer an issue. but, mm-hmm. um, I did think it was interesting because it seems like it's a deliberate juxtaposition of like society's working on sudden and sure doom. like there's no yeah. talking your way out of the pit. It's happening. It's happening tomorrow. Versus societies struggling with very slow-moving, uncertain inconvenience. And man-made doing. as compared to universal
0: catastrophic events, right? Supernovas yeah. and black holes. Those are things we have no control over, whereas Planetina is fighting against the things that we do.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just I, th- I think that there is... Like deliberate, but that's the thing. It's like I, I don't know where the commentary because I was expecting this to say definitively one thing or another about like, you know, the climate and climate change and planetary destruction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it said a lot. And I don't know what is the dominant voice here, because like, should mm-hmm. we just give up because we've already passed the point of, you know, because some some a minority of scientists have said that like Turn off the lights. It's already too late. You know we've we've started runway things that are going to make uh this uh, the the shit that we've been dealing with the last five or ten years look like tiddlywinks. And there's really nothing we can do technologically to stop it. There's many more that say no, no, no. We can certainly slow things down and and kind of put the retro rockers rockets so that society can kind of soft land into some sort of state equilibrium in fifty years or so. And and of course, there's the other very small minority that says "fuck it." There's nothing. Pro- there's no problems. Keep doing what we're doing. Um, right? Did you do you think that? What do you think the the show opinion is, if any?
0: Uh, I think the show's opinion is that we're headed down a very bad road. Um, it's just what what are the solutions, right? Because Morty's very much like the pacifist, don't solve it with violence type. Planetina is very much the solve it with violence because I've seen how this road goes if we don't solve it with violence because we've been mm-hmm. doing it for 50 fucking years now. Mm-hmm. She's been doing it for maybe 5 billion. Who knows? Right. Uh, which, let's just say, if she's been monitoring the Earth, taking care of its ecosystems for 5 billion years, she's done a shit job so far. So She, she could- needed the
1: right for <laughs> teenagers to put her together, man. All she was is just a disembodied spirit before right I you probably could have got in there the first time somebody rolled coal
0: and maybe put a put the kibosh on that let's
1: say or maybe the first time somebody <laughs> nah, uh, the first time the cavemen started rubbing two sticks together just yeah, fucking get in there and blast them yeah yep yeah, yep yeah, yeah. keep that internal combust keep all forms of combustion uh, under wraps and yeah. and you got it just um, eat fish and vegetables raw veggies but I that was uh if we're gonna shift over into the, the next plot, the, the mm-hmm. Rick and or the, the the Morty and Planetina plot. Um you know, Morty's point there about like, well if this is what it takes to save the planet, I don't want to. Like if it takes mass murder and there's some people that advocate for this, uh like ecofascism, uh or eco-terrorism that like we need to just wipe off like 90% of the planet's uh, population, if not all of us, <laughs> and we need to have these rigid okay. blah, blah, blah. And we need to you know, this, that, and the other, like, if that's what it takes to save humanity, maybe, you know, or, or also maybe this is just a referendum on us as a species. Cause like, again, to, to, you know, to not put too fine a point on it, this planet's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Like no, no, nothing we do to it is going to be so bad, except for maybe all out nuclear war that other life won't thrive on it eventually. So what we're really talking about is the human experience on earth coming to an end or becoming very hard or hostile. And then like, if we, it's, there's kind of poetic justice to us doing it to ourselves. And like that justice is not averted. If like, you know, 0.1% of the planet just decides to take things over and impose this gun. I, I don't know. I, I don't want it to be that way, but I also see the, the logic to us, us, you know, sleeping, In the bed that we've made. Oh, for sure. Um, I guess the question is like how hard do you fight for that? It's like
0: I I think of it as like a body's sort of immuno response to a disease, like when you know, parts Mm -hmm. of the body are rebelling against the body as a whole, the body cuts that shit out. Uh it's merciless in cutting that shit out. And like, is that what our society needs to become, right? Like the the immuno response of our society is well, this element of, of the society is wrong and bad and killing the rest of it, so it's gotta go. Uh yeah. I don't know. Th- there are I think there are points all around, um, because you know, we also don't want to turn into that ourselves, right? Because that could be a slippery slope. Uh who how, how who determines uh who the bad guys are who needs to be uh you know extricated from society and who does that? Um all big questions that are hard to answer and like i i certainly don't want the responsibility of answering those but also i don't want our civilization to just completely disappear because we decided we'd rather sit on our butts and do nothing
1: while a certain portion of it destroys what we have yeah i mean that's the thing like that i think that's the clicker the kicker right there rather you know when they're when Morty and Planetine are talking to the coal miners and the coal miners like hey you people didn't have the votes but that kind of stuff um, I think when we started democracy um, like we envisioned, like okay if you say that to someone's face when you're talking about whether you get bike lanes in the city or not Mm -hmm. ah fuck we didn't get the votes you know we're not gonna have a subway this year or we didn't get the funding for the stadium or you know we're gonna have to cut back on the libraries but when you're talking about like Hey, you people didn't get to vote. So we're stuffing these other people in the ovens or you people didn't get yeah. to vote. So we're going to let a very, very small uh, minuscule fraction of people just continue treating mm-hmm. the earth like it's like it's their fucking latrine. That's a little bit harder to swallow, especially when it's not like a huge majority. It's not like 90 percent of people want to do this. Ten percent. It's when the the odds are a lot. It's it's, I don't know.
0: Well, and it's not the only issue you're voting on. Right. Like if if you were to come to them and say, do you want to destroy the planet by doing these things? Everyone would say no. Ninety nine percent of people would say absolutely not. But when you mix it up with 15 other uh, things that are affecting their daily life right here and right now. like ask them to vote on that they will maybe you know put off the sort of bigger issues in order to get some you know some thing for themselves today so like yeah we're we're short-sighted we're kind of stupid we're a little bit selfish but also i think people would not choose you know not being able to get the votes for something does not mean people have chosen to do that
1: thing yeah yeah it's uh it's wild. And there's a couple other things I thought was interesting because like, you know, Rick is always the smartest guy in the show and uh, or supposedly. And when he says stuff like he throws an aluminum can on the ground and Morty's like, Jesus Christ, not in front of Planetina. And he's like, it's a, it's a it's 7% of the Earth's crust, Morty. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to need every atom like mm-hmm. that's not why we recycle aluminum. We recycle no. aluminum because like it's super energy efficient. Mm-hmm. like it costs like, I don't know something ridiculous like 5% of energy to take uh, aluminum and recycle it back into aluminum than it does to like take raw aluminum and turn it into something you can create a product with get it out of the ground in the first place right we've already invested yeah. that money in getting it out of the fucking ground well yeah why rip another mountaintop off when you can with all the environmental damage yeah. and spend the insane amount of electricity to get the stuff because I guess that's the that's the real draw it's like like uh, turning aluminum into something usable just requires a shit ton of heat and power. Mm -hmm. um, And when you can just melt an aluminum can and for a fraction of that, like, why wouldn't you? And I like, that's the thing that like, I don't know, like if, uh, you know, like uh, obviously Rick and Morty has a pretty diverse crowd of people watching it. And when you put the smart, you you give the smartest guy on the show, even though he is a nihilist and he also is not a, uh, you know, uh, not above doing dumb shit. I, I do wonder, like, what that does to the viewership. Like, do they think it's like, you know, a joke to recycle aluminum? Because that's the other thing. It's like, right. It is kind of a joke. And I, this is something I'm sorry. I've been mentioning this on several podcasts because it's a true fact. I've just discovered and I'm fucking aghast because hardly anybody knows it. It is a joke. Our plastic recycling worldwide is literally a joke. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, We. We, we ask people to separate their plastics. They do kind of a shitty job of it. They don't really clean it to the net. And then the vast majority of those those things just get plowed into the ground in landfills because there's no cost effective way to recycle plastic but like glass and aluminum. Those are the like real and, and to extent any kind of scrap metal. That's the real success stories in recycling. And you're shitting on one of the biggest success, success, success stories by the smartest character in the room. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe an entertainment party foul a bit. Yeah. Like, are the people watching this
0: thinking, oh, well, you know, Rick has an endless supply of seemingly free energy. He can create just entire species of beings to power his cars. So maybe he could do that for whatever recycling or or extraction or whatever. He could go out into space and get aluminum from the asteroids. Like, are you factoring all that? in, Are you just hearing, oh, aluminum aluminum recycling is a stupid thing to do? Exactly. Because the vast majority of people, you're
1: right, are probably hearing the latter. Right. Right. And uh, that, I don't know, like to the extent that like, I, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, so what's that going to do? Like maybe there's a couple hundred people around North America who are going to start throwing their aluminum cans away and stop because Rick says it's stupid and there's 7% in the earth's crust and all that stuff. I don't know, but it's a hundred people that we probably don't need <laughs> contributing sure. to the problem. Uh, but it's so weird because like there are a lot of like a lot of times when they have Rick do something kind of like counter to, I guess, you know, the accepted conventional wisdom. They'll like have a little wordplay showing to how, you know, like he uses the R the R word and Morty's like, oh, you can't really do that. And more and Rick essentially gives a little sermon on like the true issue of the thing and how this wasn't what. You know, it's like there wasn't even that like, <laughs> you know, Morty, I, there wasn't any any back and forth that make Rick be clever. It's just that he shits on recycling. But <laughs> that's uh, it's Rick and Morty. It's a cartoon. What are you going to do?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole episode is is cynical as hell about this. Right. I mean, look at the Planetina stuff with the kids and their marketing yeah, do, doing cons with Planetina and marketing Funko
1: pops of Planetina and which are destined to be in landfills. I mean, is, is oh, it plastic that, like vinyl is plastic? So like, sure, yeah, sure. And like all these exclusive that are selling, I mean that, yeah, I mean, they're like taking shots at con culture there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can buy this exclusive thing for 50 bucks. It's going to be in a landfill. The fact that Morty yeah. is really only into the environment because he wants to get in Planetina's pants,
0: which is a pretty doing tried
1: and true trope in, in cinema. Yeah, sure. I mean, always sunny does an episode about this. Oh, and then the fact that like he's he's not even helping, no. you know, in the grand scheme of things, scooping up one rabbit is not going to do anything, especially when you've got Planetina. And I think there's also a little bit of that. The fact that like I, that's another one of the tricks they use is to make us feel like as individuals, we're responsible for all this.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, part of the marketing of like the Captain Planet and here and the Planetina stuff is uh, you are the solution. Bullshit bullshit yeah. we're not i I couldn't pollute enough in my entire lifetime to add up to one day worth of big industry
1: pollution. It's just right. not gonna happen, so yeah, yeah, I'm not the problem, yeah, especially since again, like recycling when or if we're talking about like recit- uh plastics and and a lot of paper products um We've been doing kind of the quote unquote right thing for years and years and it's not doing any good because it's by design, like the whole plastic recycling, um, like so many other things turns out to be like a big business plot to make people think they're doing something when they're not really. So they won't affect their behavior because their behavior is making people rich. So and that's that's the big thing about the environment is like if you factored in all the externalities, all the the trillions and trillions of dollars, we're going to have to spend mitigating this. We'd have started 30 years ago, factoring that in to our decisions, then we could have made a lot of positive progress without, you know, on, on a, on a, by, by a comparative song. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're going to be paying these bills. Um, I, I don't know. It's, uh it's one of those things where, yeah, like they're, they're taking pot shots at people doing just um, cosmetic, you know, environmentalism. Like, uh, look at this one person that, uh, cleaned up a beach and threw away the trash and it looks good for one day. And we should all do that. But you're right. Like as long as there's 8 billion people and the system set up to reward the, the, the short side of behavior, all the individual actions in the world are not going to uh, overcome that systemic problem. Um, yeah. But uh again, this episode wasn't really about that. We've talked, you know, spent 30 minutes talking about this thing and <laughs> right. It's uh. You know, maybe there was 45 seconds of of stuff in the actual episode dealing of dealing with it. Yeah, um. I mean,
0: it's it's of, you know, it's all like circling around that topic. Um, And I think the episode has those things in mind when it's creating, Mm -hmm. uh, when it's being created. But I don't think it, you know, sets out to address any of those specifically.
1: Yeah. They also uh, they're also an interesting question about whether Morty acted virtuously by setting Planetina free, because on, mm-hmm. on the s- subsequent watches I noticed that uh, there's this uh, throwaway line um, where he's texting Planetina at night and uh, he's like, "Oh, you looked really cute on the news," and she's like, "Oh, the plant the Tina tears don't let me watch the news; it's too upsetting." It's entirely possible that the Tina tears kept Planetina from destroying the Earth in her <laughs> wrath for th- the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Like they're the ones that have to always talk her out of like going and, you know, sinking the oil fleets and, and raising, t- you know, I don't know the oil fields of Texas off the ground. And they're like, as teenagers, they're barely keeping a lid on her. And they, as an adults are just like, you know what, we're just going to forbid her from watching TV. We're going to keep her so busy on all this stuff that she can do to Because what else? If you unleash her, she's going to wipe out all human life. Because, of course, she's going to.
0: Well, yeah. Is she going to wipe out human life or is she going to destroy the systems that are keeping them uh, well fed, let's say? Like, it didn't look like the kids were hurting for much uh, or or wanting for much. Uh, They had this big, fancy tour bus. They were the ones, like, they just call her in. She doesn't need to eat. She doesn't need a house. She doesn't need anything like that. They are the ones benefiting from this status quo not her right. so like keeping her complacent seems to be some analog to you know what business
1: is doing to the the people in our society There's this interesting i think i can't remember if it's a short story or, or a comic but they postulated you know like superman like the world scientists come to superman they're like look we've done the math and we've 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 created this massive generator that has a crank that only you can spin because you're Superman. And mm-hmm. if you just crank this thing all day, all night, it will it will generate enough power to essentially solve all the world's problems. There won't be like we can use a tr- electrolysis to separate seawater from freshwater. We can power all of our cities or there will be no war for and Superman like weighs it. And he's like, OK, um, so instead of saving the like, you know people individually saving the people going off cliffs in their cars and doing all that kind of diverting new. He's just, he just, he just spins his crank and that's his job as a free planet for the planet for free energy for the planet. But yeah. it's the thing. It's like, it's asking a maximum sacrifice for one person. Like this one person who can do yeah. anything most powerful of us is reduced to just turning a crank. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that is like for him as Superman. Is even this though a though comic plot? Like, or did you come up with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of the plot. It's is, is like, you know, think about what it's like to be Superman. And also, like, once the world, what is Superman like? Uh, he ushers in his golden age of this new technology and stuff. So eventually the world doesn't even need him to turn the crank. So then Superman is hmm. like literally okay. superfluous. It's, it's, he's, he's ruling over this peaceful world. It seems like if Planetina wants to solve the Earth's fucking energy problems, maybe she needs to stop torching miners alive and maybe she needs to start turning that fucking crank. Like what like, would that like, look like? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Some kind of at the North pole, some kind of massive, uh, generator that she turns and powers all, but, but like she's got superpowers, and the yeah. best thing you can think of is like torch people again, uh, also at the wrong end, she's going after the, I guess she did set one Senator's house on fire, but even <laughs> then that's the yeah. lackey. The Senator's not running the fat, like, you know, go attack the root of the problem. um,
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty tangled in corruption uh, when you talk about government and business. I think those are those are all, uh, I don't know, valid targets in our mind, certainly. Uh, But yeah, I I get you. It's like those miners are just trying to survive. I get that. It's not like you need to go there and torch them. You could have removed them from the equation by, I don't know, scooping them up and flying them uh, away and then come torch the
1: mining facility. Yeah, you could coll- You could make sure everyone's out. Collapse tunnels. Destroy all the equipment. Essentially, you do everything that Greenpeace does, except for you're invulnerable and you can't be arrested, right? Because you just demanifest <laughs> or do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, I, the other thing is, the end of this episode, Tina's still out in the world. Uh huh. So I'm wondering if we're going to like there'll be like just things on the TV like that have her increasingly. You know, ramping up her war on the the forces of pollution and like Rick's going to have to do something about it at the end. Or will she get some kind of stable equilibrium or will we just forget that we ever had a planet here or a, a planetina? Uh I'm sure they'll make reference to it eventually. They like to do yeah. that. I did like the touch of her like big flower arrangement that looks like Morty's head. <laughs> Like it's slowly getting more and more haggard and horrified throughout the episode till it's like, just like, looks like a rotted face screaming while he's crying himself, uh, consoling himself in his mother's arms. And there's something hilarious to me about the
0: like disproportionately epic nature of this relationship with his teenage life, with a normal teenage life, right? Like he's texting her and he's like, uh, I got the flowers you sent me. Thanks. No one's ever sent me flowers before, and it's this fucking arrangement that, like, you'd see on one of those competitive flower arranging competitions, shows, Uh or whatever, Uh, and it's like the most gaudy, ridiculous thing you can imagine is the first time he gets flowers, and he's in this relationship that doesn't end with, like, normal teenage stuff, right? Like, oh, they, (laughs) they said something to somebody that you know, I I misunderstood or didn't like, or they didn't Mm. go to my birthday party. They went and hung out with their friends instead. Mm. That type of shit. Usually in teenage relationships here, it's like, well, you killed a bunch of people and you're now an eco terrorist. And I don't think I can be with an eco terrorist. So bye.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually pretty mature for Morty. I feel like season one, Morty would have just become an eco terrorist along with her. Um, uh, yeah, maybe
0: so. But, yeah, maybe he'd be naive been.
1: and, and yeah, just follow along with whatever she wants to do. And there's other, the tale of two Mortys in this episode, like his mom still sees him as Morty, the kid who has essentially made no character development since season one, episode one, when everyone kind of worried that he was, said something wrong with him intellectually, developmentally. Um, yeah. versus this Morty who is self-assured and kind of his way and, and powerful and has been to hundreds of planets and survived hundreds of scrapes and is capable of biting off of persons firing and wielding it against them expertly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this, this thing, he goes, this like does rant, he goes on his mom to his mom that like, you know, I've never fit in anywhere, not even this family. Every time I open my mouth to say something, people roll their eyes as if the act of listening to me is a chore. Um I thought that was like a really interesting observation about, you know, what it's like to be a teenager in a family oh, yeah. who doesn't quite get you. This this you show know?
0: 100% these writers still get what it feels like to be a teenager. I like I remember that angst of like being old enough to feel like you want to have a life but too young to really have one yet sure it's like i want to go out there and i want to do all of these things but shit i'm 14 and i can't so yeah like i've got i'm just counting down the days until i can be a real adult and treated like one and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's funny also looking back at that as almost 40 year old man now it's like oh, I wish I had stayed in that mode a little bit longer because, you know, you you get past that and you you sort of think, man, those were the days when I had so many fewer responsibilities and why was I so angsty about it? Uh, Yeah, but when you're a teenager, man, you just want to get out of that fucking mode. You want to become a person.
1: You want to have a life. And I I feel for Morty there. It sucks to be in between. Like, you're too old to be naive and think your parents know everything and life is perfect, but you're also... You know, and and it's also like you mentioned your experience as an older person. I'm also have the added benefit of having a real life 14 year old, like a real life Morty (laughs) Smith living in my house and like seeing it from the other side of the parents site where it's like a decade ago, you're shit in your pants and now you want to go out on a date. Like it's really easy to get gripped up of like looking in the back and seeing like what an idiot this person was because they didn't know anything and they're so naive and not looking ahead to like Jesus and like, you know, I'm at the countdown. It's like, man, in another six months, this kid's going to be operating a motor vehicle. Mm-hmm. And a year after that, without adult supervision necessarily. And a year yeah. and a half after that, the fucking government could draft him in the war. What or does he could like, leave, leave the house and go do his own thing entirely. And, you know? and that's like, going to happen no matter what you do. So, yeah, like, yeah. what's the balance between trying to, keep, you know, remain, try to, try to keep them safe and, and, uh, and, and informed, but also kind of letting go a little bit to recognize that they're they are gonna have to be resp- responsibly manage their affairs. It's it's a real trick, and I don't especially when you got some destabilizing force like fucking Rick in, in the mix. Yeah. Uh sabotaging your efforts to parent and all that kind of stuff. Um it uh I I don't I don't envy I don't envy Beth Smith. <laughs> not <laughs> no not not one little bit. Uh um, um, Rick is sp- speaking of um
0: Planetina still being out there, I assume Morty still has the rings, right? I, yeah, although he never wore them
1: after the one slaughter
0: scene. Yeah, maybe he gave them up. Maybe he threw them in a river or something. Yeah, after what yeah. he did, I don't know. Yeah, but I really loved when he blew up, uh, used Air's ring to blow up Dirt's head.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. There was a lot of <laughs> inventive uh, and the the using the dirt uh or using the fire's ring to melt dirt and burn dirt. Uh, what uh, <laughs> water with the lava pool. Yeah, he got one of the, he got the last one with like all three of the other rings, which was pretty good combined. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was that whole sequence was funny. I love the, the Arab sheik that was his own guy and doesn't want to be used as a symbol to hate other <laughs> Arabs. And yeah, uh, he gets eaten by a tank of baby seals
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, before he can club them presumably and, and, and make a coat out of them. Uh, I, thought, I thought that stuff was, was, was pretty funny. Um, I also really like the game, the punch by lunch game because yeah. it's like an amalgam of like all the stupid gay- family games, mousetrap, mm-hmm. don't wake daddy, uh, <laughs> don't wake daddy, or like whatever the one with the shark was, where it bit a balloon, and like all right. these things where you roll a dice and you click this thing. And this, this is just the epitome of those bad idea games where you're punching yeah. this guy until he throws up on you. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was and and the the fact that the family is playing that as a first date idea with their son and his older girlfriend. Some of those games got pretty messy. There's a pie one which like you, you every time you land on a certain square, you stick your face up to this thing. And there's I a played pie that, Donny. You do? Fucking my nieces love that game back in the day. I forget what it's called, but like yeah, it had a look a little catapult system to where you had to take a you had to take a chance getting pied in the face. Yeah.
0: It, but but it was pretty messy. You know, it's an actual like cream pie you're yeah. going to get uh, hit in the face with. So I, I was a little disappointed when he punched his lunch and it's just a bunch of plastic pieces coming out. I wanted something grosser. I wanted maybe some slime. I I wanted yeah. something a little
1: more uh, visceral. Yeah, get that Nickelodeon slime yeah. uh, mix, mix it up. That's so a it really looks like he's messing himself. Although I have to say uh, taking a cream pie from your dad. That's something you do in the last day. <laughs> Last day of the planet, you know, True. yeah, you want to say some of those some of those games you want to not play the advanced mode until civilization is going to definitively come to the end the next day. Uh, oh, yeah. You only played the cream pie
0: game with your nieces and nephews, I guess. <laughs> Christ, not your parents.
1: Uh, OK, uh, yeah, I guess I walked right into that one, huh? Kind of. Yeah. Um, What do you think of the uh, I looked it up as Kishi Bashi? Uh, I'm the Antichrist to you. This is how we ended the, the episode with um, the Rick fuck? and Morty's pretty good at the like emotional bangers like they had chaos, chaos. Can you feel it when Rick uh, tried to disintegrate his head after his experience with the planetary entity unity? Uh, we have this one. Um, how can Rick and Morty be better at picking pop songs to go underscore emotional beats and like fucking The Walking Dead with literally 10 oh. times the budget? I mean, yeah, The Walking Dead is they're trying
0: something. It's its never worked in the history of them trying it, but they're trying something. Uh, mm-hmm. Rick and Morty's going for, I feel like, a more tried and true method <laughs> of pulling the heartstrings.
1: And it works. Yeah. It works. What is Walking Dead trying, you think? I don't it, know. I couldn't tell I you, think man. It's, I think it's seeing how little they can walk from the writer's room to the nearest Starbucks and seeing what's on the yeah. coffee shop collection. And ah, fuck this guy ah, this, they, or, you know, hey, which which of our former stars is trying to get a country music career off that we can just <laughs> right. get a free, you know, just license some shit for free. Do we have anybody under contract already? Can we just get them in here and do this? <laughs> <laughs> uh Who knows? Who knows? Um Yeah, no. Uh, Rob Schraub wrote this episode. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, any. Plus, that's the other thing is like, I don't. Because like previous DVDs and Blu-rays commentaries have made it the point to where uh, Harmon tends to just make sure everyone's name gets spread around so that everyone gets like, you know, when you say that you are the head writer, that doesn't necessarily mean as much as it might in other shows. It just might mean that you like you just like it was your turn to get credit for an episode mm. um, or maybe you had the final draft of it. But like the way their room works, I wonder like if that's still the case, um, because it seems like they're making a big deal out of the writers this year maybe that's just because i don't know this uh this loveless guy uh seems like he's like rocketed it from like writer to executive producer and rob schraub is like you know Har- dan harman's best buddy they broke into hollywood together got their start work or writing the the animated series uh, show monster house uh got on was it channel 101 was their youtube kind of mm-hmm. like Edgy Comedy Factory. Um came out of the same place in in uh, Minnesota. Or wait, is it Milwaukee? I can't even fucking remember my damn Dan Harmon lore. But uh yeah, I'm curious to see what else he can come up with. Well then it's time for feedback. We got a couple pieces of feedback this week. If you want to send in uh some feedback, all you gotta do is send the interdimensional cable message to Rick and Morty at and we'll read it. First up, EJ says, is it just me or have you noticed a severe lack of belching emanating from Mr. Rick Sanchez so far this season? I heard once that Justin Roiland has found the constant burping take after take episode after episode, season after season to be increasingly difficult and annoying. Oh, yeah, Justin. Oh, yeah. Repetitive, crazy behavior, increasingly difficult and annoying. Hmm. 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 (laughs) Wonder what it's like for the others subjected to you. No. So perhaps there is a conscious effort by the voiceover team to eliminate Rick's trademark, albeit disgusting behavior moving forward, or maybe decoys don't burp. Mm, there's definitely burping in this episode. Yeah, I had in my notes to talk about this because I, I noticed that a lot of the decoys um, not only weren't burping, but they also lack Rick's trademark vomit uh, schmear mm. on his chin. Yeah, And I was, you know, like, is that a surefire way to detect decoy or is that just because I think Rick is trying to do things a little bit healthier? Uh, and this server, episode yeah. is, I think, a regression, you know, him going on a yeah. full nihilist three planet pussy pounding session. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say it's with with your granddaughter is, is a regression. But I think <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that they're trying to show a little bit of personal development and. It could be, it could be, um,
0: yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's what people want to see. I think they want to see characters change and grow and you can't go much further down than we started with Rick. Right. Yeah. So you got to get him back on the upswing, um, to some degree and maybe he'll fall again. You know, it's, it's not just
1: a straight shot upward.
0: That's usually how these
1: things work, and that's the thing is like I've always said. It's like it's not, you know, like they don't have to necessarily fear. Like, uh, oh, if Rick gets healthy and learns a lesson, that means he can't be bad anymore. No, 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 right, right, no. That's not how we work. That's not how us humans work. (laughs) If all you needed is to get accurate information to to make good decisions going forward, like shit, ninety nine percent of us would have this shit whipped. But you gotta can you gotta contend with your limbic system, man. Yeah. Uh, and here to talk about that is uh, uh official therapist of the podcast, Tom Jones, uh, therapist from Atlanta here to talk about some Rick and Morty. This kind of goes to this whole thing. Uh, some brief comments about last episode. I think I really like this episode in the classic Rick and Morty style. You take an idea, draw it out to its most extreme version and let chaos ensue. I especially love that we got some recurring character cameos and felt that all the sci-fi jokes really landed for me. I especially liked Morty's like Westworld and later like ex machina lines only for Rick both times to say yes, but don't fuck them. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Why is it always? I mean, I know why it always descends into fucking robots because that's the first thing you do. If you develop right. a humanoid robot, uh, <laughs> it was fully functional. You would give it a test. Fuck. Absolutely. I, I mean, look, is it, our machines not
0: there to satisfy our basic needs. Right. That's right. the whole reason we fucking build machines is because we need to eat. We need to sleep. We need to, we want the fuck. Yeah. Uh, and we need shelter. We build machines to satisfy those needs. Robots are going to get fucked. I'm sorry. It's going to happen.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, you can argue about sentience and like what that means, but like, you know, if we're just, a, if you're just squeaky about fucking a machine, getting pretty preachy, the way you treat your neck massager, Tammy, you know, <laughs> right. if, if, if he asked for its consent before you flipped on the power button from low to high. No, I don't think you. I think he just did it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Tom continues. I keep struggling with this idea on Rick and Morty that I would love to hear your thoughts on. If a character can become clones, have alternate timeline versions or exist inside holograms, why do we care about personal growth? I love the serialized stuff they do here, but it'll start to feel hollow if I can't trust the versions of the characters I see on screen for silly episodes. It doesn't matter. But for the character growth episodes, I'd really like to trust the characters I'm seeing are, in fact, the characters I'm seeing. Love to hear your thoughts. And uh, the second there are more Dr. Wong scenes, you know, I'll be here breaking (laughs) down my thoughts. Um, This is something we've talked about a decent amount. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking uh, since I, I since I saw Tom's email earlier, I've been thinking about it more what what do you think? My initial feeling uh, is that the
0: continuity of these characters is preserved by the show, whether they're the actual characters or not. Like, I, I don't think the show has ever reset the reset the characters of these characters. You know, if you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. they, they there is a line you can draw from season one episode one to season five episode three. And you can see growth in whatever version of Rick and Morty we're following right now, right? Because Morty's dead. The the original Morty is dead in the backyard uh, and and replaced by some other Morty. And we didn't we didn't even skip a beat, right? Those that Morty was just our Morty now. And I think that's where I come from with this is as long as the show has a continuity of development for characters that look sound like Rick and Morty. I'm going to be OK with, you know, whatever number of decoys, clones, robots, whatever, replace them.
1: I've been coincidentally in the last couple of weeks, I've been reading about like some transhumanist thought on like simulation theory and whatnot. And this seems to me like a trap for just super uh, a nihilist trap for super smart people to fall into. <laughs> but there's this thought that goes along the lines of this, that like, if it's technically possible, if you squint to think that you can simulate an individual's experience, then it's almost mathematically certain that that's happening at some point. Mm-hmm. And once it becomes possible, it's actually much more mathematically um plausible that you are a simulation rather than you're in the prime existence this is why elon musk is accepting dogecoin right yep this is why <laughs> okay. smart people they read this shit and they fucking go crazy check out Rocco's yeah. basilisk if you want to see a supreme chance uh, example of very smart people just shitting their pants and please please if you're a rocco's basilisk subscriber i would want to hear all about it in email i really do hmm. so send that in to rick and morty at dot Encrypted, of course, we don't want the, the super smart alien robots to get any ideas. But like, there's also this thing called like law of large numbers where it's like. Um, so if you have a simulation of a person, you know, uh, people are non deterministic and there's a big old asterisk on that because actually maybe people are deterministic. But like, I think most people think that people are deterministic to where like if you took yourself and you simulated you a thousand times. There'd be a big old bell curve about like what you would do, like what you would choose to have for lunch. You know, it probably there's a big middle area where it's a Chipotle burrito. But then I don't know, maybe today you went to Qdoba because Chipotle's was closed in your universe or something. All these little butterfly fluctuations make little minor. But if you ran a simulation over and over and over again, you could kind of say that like Jim Jones canonically will do this for lunch. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's this idea that like if if you have these simulations. And alternate versions of Rick and, and, and his family. And as they play out over hundreds of episodes, if you see a certain type of moral arc bending through them, then you can kind of say with confidence that that is how the real Rick would behave. And I think they're actually, this has been kind of subtext, but they're making it text. Like when Rick had that speech about like, I don't know if this makes any difference to you, but like if Rick made me and I was made by a Rick and I'm capable of you know, experiencing a small bit of growth. And I mean, somewhere at some point buried deep inside the prime Rick can do the same thing. And I think that is the key, the Rosetta stone for the character development that like if any version if like, if, if, if the parasitic wasp universe, Rick is capable of kindness and humanity, uh, then they all are with sufficiently strong stimulus. They can get there. So like, I think, yeah, it's not our Rick or our Morty, but if one of the Ricks or one of the Mortys can find happiness and love and peace, that potentially that they all could. Um, and you're yeah, arguing about whether that's the sweet spot of the be- the sweet part of the bell curve, or if it's like an outlier, like Rick finding peace and contentment. Yeah. Is that an outlier, or is that? And I think that's where it's interesting to see the the show explore. Yeah. And maybe as we see more versions
0: of Rick and Morty, we can become more certain about what the outliers are and what they aren't. Um, right. And and sort of define who those characters are for ourselves in some ways. Um, right. But and it also paired with, you know, the concept of the Rickest Rick and the Mortiest Morty, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that finite curve stuff. I, I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: It'd be funny. It also makes sense. that The rickest Rick would be an outlier. Like, would you think that the rickest Rick would be clustered right in the middle of like the core behavior of the ricks? Or would he be like at one extreme end or the other? And I guess it depends. How you answer that question tells you whether, you know, and are you interested in the rickest Rick, the Rick that's so Rick that he's broken and incapable of like that could be the rickest Rick by Rick's own definition. But you know, the other ricks might be grateful that they're not the rickest Rick. You know, like mm-hmm. what what prize do you get for being the rickest Rick? It seems like uh <laughs> there's no nothing good. It's all just pain and misery. And even when you're happy about something, your happiness is robbed by the knowledge that it ultimately is meaningless in the grand scheme of the infinite cosmos. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that helps. I don't think that even makes any fucking sense. But it's the <laughs> stuff I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks uh Sai writes in and says in this episode Rick mentions that the decoys cannot live leave the earth. So I mentioned uh that there was some people that are undergoing there was two rules that I think one of the Ricks gave that like uh the decoy Ricks can't leave the earth and uh or well he, the none of these are rules he just said in general the decoys uh, stay on Earthbound, uh, non-continuous non-continu- con- adventures, which means that their their stuff doesn't have any continuity with the Smith family, which might have wrecked my previous statements. And also, they can't leave Earth. And some people took that as like hardcore rules so that we can eliminate the reason you can trust that the, the Smith family coming in from the previous uh, uh, at the end mm. of the episode are actually our Rick uh, family is because they're coming in from the deep cosmos, which means they left the Earth. And they're having a conversation with uh, Clone Beth, which is a part of the overall continuity. So they must be the Prime family. The thing is, is all this shit came from Clone Rick or from Decoy (laughs) Rick. And also
0: uh, Rick didn't think that the clones would clone themselves or decoy themselves. So So he's already been completely wrong. wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like if if, if the uh, fucked up Scarecrow Rick was telling you these, would you accept it as fact or just because You know, it was a non belching, non throw up on his lips. But you're like, oh, it look kind of look. I I just don't understand why we think that that's any kind of gospel. Um, But let's say that it is and go along with size point. Hmm. Uh, Do you think that the creator Rick has some kind of agreement with someone powerful on earth not to leave the planet or an order from the council of Rick's not to leave the planet like they do in court cases where they confiscate your uh, passport or just a foolproof rule set by creator Rick to not get killed by one of the decoys? Um, I assume it would be the latter yeah if rick is under some kind of restriction about leaving the earth it's the most violated restriction to to like (laughs) yeah i mean maybe he signed a treaty with nimbus a long time ago that says he will forever remain confined to the planet but like he's not confined to the planet so nope i think it's more of like the fail safe like hey Mm -hmm. if i'm wrong about the duplicates rating duplicates all they can do is fuck up this planet uh and we can just move to the corncob planet and we'll be fine uh Were they able to travel interdimensionally? There's actually a roiling debate right now amongst the Rick and Morty fandom about if any interdimensional travel has happened this season, because all we've seen is like this weird non Rick portal gun portal that goes to uh this place where the time is going faster. Doesn't mean it's outside of our universe. It just means that the local time dilation is faster. There hasn't yeah. been the trademark green portal this this season and people are going mad about what the fuck, if anything, <laughs> does that mean? It just
0: means they haven't done an episode that required
1: intimate, interdimensional travel yet. Right. Yep. But it, but like th- and th- that's the question I have is like are Dan and Justin. Like watching the, the new the people talk about the show and laughing their asses off because they just like, oh, shit. Yeah, we just didn't portal gun for three episodes and people are going wild. Yeah. Or did they know that people would go wild on this minutiae and mm-hmm. are like not doing a portal gun just to fuck with people or or the other plausible thing is no, it actually means something that they haven't portaled for three episodes. Sure. Um, and we're we're going to find out later what happens. um. But yeah, I don't, I I have no, fun. I don't, I don't trust anything that the decoy Rick said about rules, especially since they, again, mm-hmm. were wrong because the n- core Uber number one thing they can't do is make more decoys. Right. So like, this is Asimov robotics rule. Like if, if you got a robot that's broken rules two and three, then are you, but you're going to be like, <laughs> but I swear to God, they didn't break rule one. You know, like, I I, I don't know. Yet. I don't know if I can trust those rules. Yeah. Sai uh, concludes with. Also, you guys mentioned that the first episode reminds you a lot of Netflix's Dark, and the menacing killing of the second episode uh, reminded you of the series Invincible. Do you guys ever have plans on doing a podcast on either of those shows? Oh boy, do I have a treat for you! We actually did a whole bunch of shows on Netflix's Dark. Uh, search for Dark and Bald Move, and we are coming up on doing. Someone commissioned a podcast on Invincible. Mm-hmm. which will be probably coming out sometime in August, if I were to guess, uh, based on our recording schedule. But within a couple of weeks of, of, of like a mid to late August date anyway. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're good news. You you can enjoy our dark. I actually had our buddy Kim Renfro from The Insider, who is one of the foremost uh, dark experts come to talk about season two and season three with us, too. So we've got quite a bit of coverage of dark and we'll have uh at least one episode on an invincible, which I think will will be pretty good. So check that out. Thanks. Thanks for uh, being fans, uh Cy. And uh, if you would like to send us email, you can do so. It's real easy. Rick and Morty at ballmove.com. Send it in and uh get a chance to have it read next week. Uh that will do it for this week. We got next week independent spray, which Damn, damn guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so topical to talk about the environment in a week where <laughs> Seattle is experiencing 118 degree heat and much of the country's on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh they set the ocean on fire last week. I don't know if you noticed that. I saw that. They yeah. Rip, ripped a portal to hell right up in the Gulf of Mexico. It's pretty fucking incredible. Like really timely episode, but yeah, we we had Independence Day just last weekend and we got this Rick dependent spray next week. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> What the fuck? It's, did you, did- it's
0: asking a lot for me to believe that they could, you know, plant the seeds of not doing three portal episodes in a row and mastermind, you know, a whole thing around decoys and outer space and all that, and then fuck up on the weeks for releasing their Independence Day episode. <laughs>
1: yeah what the hell you're just gonna like read the calendar upside down or something i don't know but uh that's what we got a star spangled episode of of rick and morty maybe uh we'll see we'll see what this rick dependent spray is all about next week until then i'm your host aaron and i'm jim see you then
0: pickle me this is distributed and produced by bald move All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at patreon.com slash baldmove to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at baldmove. See you next time.